Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz and my guest today is Ann Hanley. She is the Chief Content Officer for Marketing Profs, also the co-author of Content Rules. I think I had she and Cece on uh, when that book came out and she's the author of a new book we're going to talk about today called Everybody Writes, Your Go-To Guide to Creating Ridiculously Good Content. So Ann, welcome back. Well, thank you, John. I'm super excited to be here. So thanks for having me. So I'm going to start really early in the book. I'm going to start a sentence and you have to finish it. Okay, you ready? (laughs) Okay, I'm ready. Spread your arms and hold your breath and... I don't know what you're talking about. So your dedication, you didn't even know this probably, but your dedication is a line from a Guy Clark song. Uh, always trust your cape. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> and the lead up to that uh, first mention of that, and yes. always trust your cape is That's spread your the, arms and hold your breath. I can't believe you knew that. This Are is you? like I don't think anybody knows that. Well, I, would, I didn't think anybody knew that. Uh, that. Yes, exactly. That is exactly from that. I am that's a, a, I that's am an a amazing music, song. A music uh, nut, and so you, if you're going to use music lyrics on me, you know you can expect uh, I'm going to give you the history of the song or something. Oh, but, that's awesome! Uh, actually, I can't believe I just blew that. Did you hear my? Yeah, yeah, that silence? was yeah. I was compl- we're going to have to edit that out completely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now you know it's funny though, and you, you, not everybody knows who writes books, but you know you write these books sometimes two years passed before like you wrote the first chapter <laughs> and uh, and so sometimes I'll get on and do an interview and somebody will say on page three you say this and I'm scrambling like what did I say on page what three <laughs> no and it's funny and I mean that that Guy Clark song that, that's a that's a seminal song in uh, in my son who's who I wrote the dedication to in his childhood because uh, you know he's an artist and he's a little bit of a quirky personality when he, well, he especially when he was a child and so just that idea that you know always trust your cape always trust your inner guide you know your instincts is just something that we've really talked to him about his whole life so well that and that you know the story special. story that goes on in that song too yes. of course is yes. you know he did not know he couldn't fly and so he did right, right exactly <laughs> i'm welling up just talking to you john <laughs> sorry, because sorry. it's like that is such an emotional thing for me ridiculous yeah. <laughs> awesome okay well so we don't i mean let's you know let's just talk more about the dedication you know yeah, people have to I buy know. the book then um so i would suspect this would be for me if I were to write a book about writing. You know, I would. I'm not sure I could hold myself to the standard that certainly people would start holding me to. But one of the things I really like in this book is you write early on, sort of take away the stuffiness or kind of the rules that we all, you know, sometimes uh, feel uh, constricted by. Um, mm-hmm. So was that obviously part of your intent too? Was to say, hey, this. This is a serious book. I'm on a mission from God because you say that several times as well. But it doesn't have to all be like eighth grade teacherish. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the the whole idea that I think a lot of us have anxiety that we've carried over from our high school years or or at least our our school years somewhere along the way. Um, And somewhere along the way, we felt like, you know, there are two kinds of people, those who can write and those who who can't. Um, And I think many of us have some anxiety about writing. And so what I tried to do was kind of strip that away a little bit. And and let people know, you know, I think we are all writers in this world where, you know, especially a social media content driven world, I think we are all writers. But but more than that, you know, I think that there's a lot of, of fun that can come with writing and you can certainly learn a lot about yourself, your customers, there's a lot of thinking that goes into writing. Um, and so I really wanted to deconstruct it and make it feel like it was something very doable. 
um, which is why I told that story early on about, you know, me going to a gym and, and doing a push-up for the first time in my life, you know, which is, um, it's, a, it's a silly story, but it's a true story. And it also has a lot of uh, resonance, I think, for people who feel very awkward as writers. I think it's inherently learnable, and I think everybody can, can learn to be a better writer. Now, I know the answer to this, but I still feel compelled to ask you this, um, you know, in this Vine and Snapchat and YouTube world, you know, <laughs> does anybody really care about writing anymore? <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. And I think it, it matters more than ever, really. Uh, I mean, I, I talk about this in the book quite a bit, but I think our writing matters more now. It doesn't matter less. Um, because our, our words that we're using really are our ambassadors, you know, the, on your website, um, on your Twitter profile, on your Facebook page, on LinkedIn, everywhere. I mean, the words you're using are really your ambassador for yourself and, and for your business. Um, and so I don't think of writing as the sort of ivory tower exercise. I think of writing as the everyday stuff of life. You know, it's it's not just blog posts and ebooks and things that we typically associate with writing i think it's everything you know it's the words on our website it's our our product descriptions it's our um our thank you page content you know it's everything yeah and i mean one of the things you address a lot too is is you don't have to think of yourself as a writer or that that's your profession but the fact of the matter is you're going to have to do it a bunch i mean it might just be writing two or three emails to start getting somebody interested in hiring you and and that could make the difference in whether or not you get hired or how you get hired or what you get hired to do sure yeah exactly i mean you know we we all are are writing we're all trying to convince somebody of something you know whether it's convincing somebody that you are the right solution to a problem that they have you know that your business is the right answer um or whether it's just you know a simple email to somebody um you know one of the things i talk a lot about in the book is is really approaching it um really approaching any writer that or any writing that you do um with a truly reader centric point of view you know so really swapping places with your reader and thinking about you know what experience is this creating for them um, and that's helped me a lot as a, as a writer as a blogger you know on all of my social content that I'm putting out there just really thinking about you know what effect is this having on the person am I wasting their time am I spending too much time you know on a setup at the beginning or can I just dive right into it um, and so just doing some really simple things to help you help you create a better experience for the people you're trying to talk to it's funny, in one of my earlier books, um, an editor, uh, numerous times, and he was actually my favorite editor. I've had actually four different editors on my wow. four books, but he was my favorite editor, and he, and he would quite often say, why are you doing so much throat clearing here? Yeah. You know, you know the idea <laughs> being that you're, you know, you're, you're talking about what you're going to talk about, you know, just talk about it. Yeah. Um, and I, I thought that was a pretty interesting uh, way to uh, characterize that. But um, one of the yeah. things that I like about the book is, quite frankly, is there are lots of short chapters. Um, mm. Was that a... Uh, was that your intent, or was that just your uh, a style decision on your part? Yeah, I mean, definitely it was it was an intent. Um, you know, I, I like books that are very useful and that you can come away with with a real sense of how to do something. Um, and so I didn't want to create this, you know, writing tomb that felt really heavy and felt really like, Ugh, I could never get through this. You know, I didn't want it to to sort of sit like a like a desk, um, like a doorstop on somebody's desk. You know, so I wanted to create something that felt like you know you could you could pick it up, you could leaf through it, you could read a couple of chapters very quickly, very easily, and, and take away something. 
Um, and that's, you know, that's my how-to personality. You know, that's, that's what, how marketing profs is geared. You know, we're very much about how to, how to teach people, teaching people how to do things and not just why they should do things. Um, and so that was, you know, very much by design. Um, but also, you know, I mean, I think it, it kind of goes along with uh, what I was talking about when I was talking about, you know, my philosophy toward writing in, in general. I think it's really important not to waste the time of, of your reader. You know, like you're mentioning your editor with your throat clearing. You know, I talk about um, take a running start and then, you know, basically erase your tracks, right? It's okay to do that sort of throat clearing warm up. Um, but in the end, you know, pare it down to the bare essentials. So that's what I tried to do in this book as well. Well, and your writing is very funny. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think that really helps because you're tackling, a, you know, grammar. I mean, oh, boy, how, how boring could you be, right? Uh, maybe. Yeah. And, uh, but, and, and it might help that I hear your bubbly, bubbly little voice in my head when, <laughs> when I'm reading. But, but I think people will really appreciate your um, somewhat dry and sarcastic uh, style. <laughs> I hope so. Either that or they get incredibly offended, but I hope they think it's funny. <laughs> now, uh, a, a drum that I've been beating for a number of years, and in fact, it was even a subchapter in my last book um, called Why You Must right um and it is that at least my contention is that the i i started out as somebody who wanted to write but realized pretty quickly i wasn't very good i just hadn't been trained very well i didn't have a lot of experience in my apparently my grammar that i got in grade school was <laughs> didn't hold or didn't stick mm -hmm. but um but i continued to do it because i found that uh, again, part of it is I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to. I wanted to write, but I also found that it got. It made me a better salesperson. It made me uh, a better communicator in general. It made me. Uh, I think it forced me to start thinking about things in different ways. And so I have this kind of whole list. It made me a better public speaker. Uh, I have this whole list of things that I attribute to the fact that I've now written probably half a million words uh, over the last few years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really that's really interesting. Yeah, I think it's absolutely true. I think, you know, strong writing is strong thinking, right? And so I think if you work on being a better writer, you know, really what does that mean? That means that you are, you know, doing all kinds of things, you know, from a psychological standpoint, but at the same time, you know, you're really making it extremely, um, you have a lot of empathy really for, for your audience, you know, and whether that audience is somebody you're trying to sell to or whether it's somebody you are speaking to, you know, you're on stage delivering a, some sort of speech or presentation, um, or whether it's it's the person who is reading the book that you just wrote. I mean, I think ultimately what it does, it trains you to be very um, economic, you know, with the words they're using with with a real sense of empathy for what they're what they're carrying, what messages they're carrying to the to the people who are there to hear you so let's get let's really get at the heart of why you wrote this book um, and it's you know I've been I've been giving it uh, really all this positive spin but uh, there's really a negative uh, component to uh, this book and, and that is that you are personally raging waging a war on mediocrity <laughs> and, and that's the part that I think this sort of the sub level part, you know, that people don't pick up on right away. But uh, tell me about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's absolutely true. I mean, there's a byproduct. So you are of, a snob. That's what oh, I'm really no, kidding at. No, 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 no. And I know you're kidding because you know I'm me and you know I'm the furthest thing from that. Um, no, I think, you know, that's the 
mediocre content is the byproduct of our content marketing age. You know, I mean, it used to be that writing and publishing was reserved for those chosen few who could afford a printing press and, and the distribution that went with it. Um, but you know, in a world where everybody is is um, able to write and, and publish and email and create social media platforms and everything, you know, there's a lot of noise out there. Um, and there's a lot of noise that's poorly written um, that's that's incredibly useless, really, to uh, the people that you're trying to reach that's really clutter and is not valuable. So what I wanted to do was say, okay, let's take a step back from this content marketing, uh, you know, sort of noise that's out there right now, and, and let's, let's, let's go back to basics in a sense, and let's look at, you know, how can we really improve the quality of what we're doing? And my feeling is, you know, that, that in a world of democratized communication, which I think is wonderful. I mean, as somebody who's been creating content for as long as I have, I love it. Um, but at the same time, you know, I feel, I feel like I, that there's also an imperative on all of us to really up our game. And I, like, I, I take that very seriously. I really want those of us who have the power to embrace it as real power, real opportunity. And don't just publish anything because you can, but you know, really take it seriously and, and try to create great experiences for our customers. You know, ultimately, publish stuff that's incredibly useful to them um, and that is really inspired from, uh, from not just from a data sense, but also from a creative sense. You know, publish some things that are really good. So in a way, that was, it's my personal charge, you know, my personal mission um, to really just encourage and, and, to, and to try to get all of us to up our game a little bit. And I include myself in here, too. Yeah, and, and I think that from a practical standpoint, uh, you, you know, back, I started blogging in 2003, and I think there were, you know, 12 or 1,300 blogs. So people, mm -hmm. had, to, people had to read what I wrote. Yeah, exactly, right? exactly. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, now they don't have to so much. There are millions and millions and millions of blogs. And so I just think from a practical standpoint, the stuff we want to read is the stuff we're going to only, uh, it's the only stuff we're going to have time to read yeah, um, anymore. Exactly. And I think that's, that's a big part of what you're saying as well. Exactly. Uh, I mean, that's the other side of it. I mean, in a world where there is so much noise, you know, you've really got to up your own game, not only because, you know, you sort of have a moral imperative to do so, but at the same time, you have a business imperative to do yeah. so. So uh, one of the things I'd love to hear your, your take on is uh, I do believe that because we are so overwhelmed with content, a lot of it we feel compelled to at least consume in some fashion. I think that we certainly have shorter attention spans or, or don't really feel like, okay, can I sit down and read that 2,500 word piece? And, and yet, you know, that's the stuff that I think in some cases is really the great stuff. But I think there's also a real need to write much shorter content, which I sometimes find is actually harder to do. Mm, yeah, right. There's that, you know, that, that famous, was it Pascal quote, you know, I, I didn't have time to write a shorter letter, you know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it's like that kind of thing. Yeah, I, but, you know, I think what's inherent... I, I, always, that, I always attributed that to Mark Twain. I thought that was Mark Twain. I think it was originally Pascal, okay. and then, um, but but I think Twain probably stole it from him, which okay. is was probably fine with, by him. Um, I don't know. You should probably look that up if, in case you link to it. I will. I will. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's definitely harder to write shorter, I think. I mean, you know, I was uh, not a great journalist because I had too much of a storyteller's heart. You know, I had, I felt a need to give background on things and color in places that it really wasn't uh, appropriate. So I was a terrible news reporter for that reason. So my, my editors, I used to work for the Boston Globe, that's where I started my career. Um, they switched me pretty quickly over to features because I definitely had more of a, uh, a storyteller's heart, you know, so I'm, I'm much 
I'm a much better storyteller than I am a, a news journalist, a news reporter. Um, but that said, you know, I, I think that as as content marketers, you know, as marketers, as business owners, um, you know, it, it is imperative that we think about brevity when we're communicating with our customers. Um, but that doesn't mean that everything has to be 300 words or less. It doesn't mean that you should never communicate with anything you know that's bigger than an Instagram post or, or something silly like that. Um, I think really what it means is that you know you only use the amount of words that you need to use to to tell a story. Um, and so that's where I think the editing process is really important. There's a lot of writers out there uh, who I found through the the course of doing research for this book who just they'll write a blog post and and they'll just you know put it up. I don't do that, and I've never done that, and it sort of fills me with fear a little bit because, like, to me, letting it steep and then ferment a bit and then going back and looking at it from the reader's point of view, you know, swapping places with your readers, like I talk about in the book, um, and, you know, really taking a critical eye to it. You know, is this the best way that I said this? Am I wasting somebody's time? You know, is every sentence earning its keep? Uh, I think that's a really important part of the process, and I think that's ultimately what what will get you to something that's really brief and and useful. Well, as long as we're quoting writers, my famous, you know, my favorite, I should say Hemingway quote: uh, "Write drunk, edit sober." Yes, um, yes. And, and I ended up I, doing drink coasters with that. Did I tell you that? No, no. Yeah, I did. Yeah, because we had that conversation uh, <laughs> out in Denver. So, yeah. So let's let's dive into a couple of. I mean, we could talk about. I, I think we've maybe talk to death the sort of the setup of you know why people should be writing and uh, and why this book's important but I, I do want to spend a little time on some of the the book parts the way you've uh, broken the book up I think is is great and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not going to go chapter by chapter um, but I'll just throw a couple of my favorites out there at you uh, the uh, one of my I think we probably talked about this too um, uh, because I tell anybody who listened one of my favorite books is uh, Bird by Bird by Anne Lamott oh yeah mine too yeah. and um, she has an entire chapter um, I'm going to ruin my PG rating, but I'm going to read it uh, directly. It's shitty first drafts, and you mm. you talk about that idea of, of ugly first drafts, and I know that's really that's been a very powerful thought for me, where you just let it rip first. To don't don't edit yourself. Don't you know? Just that's the right drunk part. You know, get it down. Yes, yeah. Mark Twain has a has a saying about that too. Um, no, actually, it's not Mark Twain. It's Stephen King. Uh, Stephen King says, "Write with the door closed. Edit with the door open." And uh, I really like that whole idea, you know, so first you're writing with the door closed. In other words, you're just writing for yourself. You know, you're producing that that ugly first draft, like I call it in my book, or, or um, Anne Lamott's, you know, uh, shitty first draft. But then, you know, write with the door open. So that's the point where you swap places with your reader and, and think, you know, as I was just saying, you know, what kind of experience is this creating for them? Am I, am I using the right words here? Am I indulging myself a little too much and not thinking too much about about the reader and what they're getting out of it. Because um, ultimately, you know, you want to communicate with real clarity. And so if it lacks clarity, then that's the point where, where you can get to it. Um, but I think that first step, you know, that the ugly first draft step, you know, just kind of letting it rip, as you say, I think it's, it's, it's great if you just let yourself off the hook, write badly, you know, but at least you're writing. Yeah, because sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes it's so hard for me to get started mm-hmm. that if I just start writing nonsense, I will eventually get around to, to what I'm supposed to be talking about. And, yeah, And I yeah. think that's, you know, that's kind of part of it. Yeah, um, 
you want to, one of my tricks too is that, and I talk about this in the book, but um, writing it like a letter. So there are a lot of writers who write like "Dear Mom," for example, yeah, 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 yeah. as a way to start. And so for me, it's a lot easier for me to write an email or a letter than it is to write, um, you know, just to sit at a at a blank word page. I talked to um, Michael Brenner, who used to be at SAP and is now at Newsgrad, and he writes all of his blog posts as emails, uh, in part because it just gives him a, a cleaner interface, so it doesn't get you know junk up with lots of stuff but it's also just a nice way to to think about that right if you're just writing an email to somebody like no one gets you know no one gets email block you know you don't get shopping list block or you don't get you know (laughs) that kind of block but writer's block feels like something that people struggle with um so you know i think it's great to kind of just take the the writing out of it and just make a list or write an email or something like that. i'm guessing you've got shoe boxes full of of diaries that you filled up uh, you know those little (laughs) key locks that uh did you have brothers uh i had one brother yes yeah okay so he was he was probably constantly digging for that key lock (laughs) i'll tell you a funny thing actually i only have one diary and i really struggled to fill it up um because to me, I never liked the process of just writing for myself. I mean, now I have a mole scheme that I like. I keep as a journal, but mostly yeah. what I do is I write down, I just jot down ideas. Yeah. Um, but what I did do as a kid, because I, I wasn't a kid who kept a diary again, because it felt sort of useless to write for myself. So I always wanted an audience of some kind. So what I did is I took out, um, I applied for all these pen pals uh-huh. all around the world. And I don't know if you remember, but yeah, you know, sure. it used yeah. to be like, it was hard to get a pen pal back then. I mean, yeah, now yeah. you super easy but oh plus it took three weeks to get your letter to him yeah exactly (laughs) so i had i had about uh i don't know seven or eight pen pals all around the world from the time that i was eight years old until i was about i don't know until i sort of got interested in other things um but uh but i used to just write to them all the time and interestingly when i wrote to them i was always a different person and i had a different name so I was a very odd child, as as you're getting out of this story. But the idea is is that I used to keep um, basically notebooks full of details about the my life that I was communicating to my pen pals all around the world. It was David in Australia. There was somebody in Malaysia. I had them all over the place. And if you think about that, I mean, it's sort of funny that it it ties exactly into maybe what marketers have to do these days with, yeah. you know, buyer personas yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and per- keeping a style Personalizing guide. your communication, right? Yeah, I yeah. mean, it was, yeah, it was kind of weird. But you know, I, that, that would actually be, that might be a fascinating book uh, all, all by itself is putting, <laughs> pulling that together. We'll, we'll call yeah, it. Yeah, I actually still I, have the notebook. It's a, we'll it's call my, it Sybil. Oh, geez, it was crazy. <laughs> but you All know right. what? I mean, basically what it did is it allowed me to write and have an audience. Yeah, and yeah. just uh, I mean, it's so you know, different than fiction tr- writing, right? Right. And just, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. just try on different personalities and essentially fictionalizing my life. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's basically what I was doing. So in one one time I was a twin. Another one I had a family of nine. <laughs> you know, I had one time I lived on a horse farm. I mean, all this crazy stuff. That is awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> all right, so there's a whole section on grammar yeah uh, obviously and i'm just i'm not going to go into it other than to point out my biggest sin and I, i'll bet you this is really high up there you know once you get past the theirs and theirs and yours mm-hmm. and yours um active versus passive voice mm, yeah now does that creep in because people just aren't thinking about it don't know any better or does that creep in because they lack confidence in what they're actually writing yeah, that's a. I mean, that's a really. It's it's an interesting. Um, I don't know why people tend to use passive voice. I mean, 
so I mean, just so if, if you don't know, those of you who are listening to this, you know, verbs in a sentence, they can either be active or they can be passive. Um, and so passive voice means that something is being done to something. So it, it's not wrong per se, but it tends to have a little bit of a stilted feel to it. Um, I'm trying to remember the example in the book. I think it's like, uh, so passive voice would be uh, the blog post was edited by a guy named John. So active voice would be a guy named John edited the blog post. So it's just making the, it's, it's, it's basically looking at, you know, where is the action happening? What is being done to something? Um, and so, you know, my feeling is that passive is generally something that you want to avoid. Um, but it's funny, you know, that the course of writing a book on writing, I've actually noticed that I tend to use passive voice quite a bit. And it was sort of this moment of self-discovery that I realized, like, wow, I do this a lot. So, yep. John, you shouldn't feel bad that you do it because uh, I actually now edit that out of anything that I'm creating. But I do tend to tend to produce it at least on the ugly first draft. Well, I think sometimes it creeps into my writing when I feel like, well, I don't want to. I don't want to tell you exactly what to do. I don't want to yeah. demand that you do something. I want to give right. you some space. Right. Uh, and I think uh, obviously that makes for weaker writing. Yeah, yeah, I think it does, and it also makes it sound a little stilted and a yeah. little bit awkward, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, I should say that, you know, I, I've been editing marketers, I've been editing business writers for about 25 years, you know, I mean, first at, at Click Z and, and now at Marketing Profs. So I'm pretty familiar with some of the problems that tend to crop up time and again. So I put this grammar section in here a little bit reluctantly because, and I put it second on purpose because at first I, I started out, when I first had the book organized, I had grammar first, the first section. Um, and I was worried about that because I thought, God, you know, I imagined my reader opening up this book and reading it and then just hitting the grammar section and going, oh, my God, <laughs> this is so boring. And, you know, grammar is not the most exciting thing, but I, I put a little bit of grammar in this book to address the problems that I see, yeah. I have seen, you yeah. know, repeated time and again over 25 years um, and, uh, and just to, you know, sort of coach people through it. So, I don't know. I well, of, and it's, like, it's, it's one of the reasons I think people really love the elements of style, which, of course, nobody will ever buy again now because of your book. Um, <laughs> but um, it, it's one of the reasons I think people love it. It's not, it's not like every possible grammar mistake. It's like, here are the biggies. Yeah. Um, and here are the things that you need to avoid. And that's why I love that. It's like a list of eight things. Okay, yeah, okay, right. I do that. I do that. And and I think that that's what you've done too. Is you've you've made that section very practical. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I think. Don't you reread the elements of style oh, every couple oh, years all or so? The time. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I do the same thing. I remember you and I talking about that once. Um, so yeah, I think. I mean, the elements of style is a fantastic book, and and it was completely. Uh, it it got me through college for sure. Um, and at the same time, you know, I mean, E.B. White, I was obsessed with him. I have been obsessed with him as an author for a long time. And, you know, I have great affection and affinity toward him. Toward him. Um, he's in the epilogue of, of my book for that reason, because he's just a fantastic writer and just uh, just somebody who, you know, you know, that question, who would you have dinner with? Yeah. You know, who dead or alive? It's yeah. always E.B. White for me because <laughs> I just think he's I have such admiration for the guy and, and what he's done. Um, so, yeah, just um, but thank you. That's, that's like a I'm very, uh, very honored to hear that comparison, even in passing. So. The last section of the book, and, and for those of you that hung on this long, you know, <laughs> that, you know here's the payoff finally, um, that uh, very practical stuff that marketers write. And I think mm -hmm. that it's great that you, I, I think it, everything could be implied to that point, but I think it's great that you went landing pages and email copy. And I mean, the, so, that, so that anybody who was having trouble trying to figure out how to apply it could say, oh, yeah, I do that for a living. Let me read that. 
Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, honestly, you don't really need this section. I could have lopped off part five completely uh, because everything in the previous three sections really does make you a stronger, you know, more hail writer. But at the same time, you know, there are things that marketers tend to be charged with writing. Uh, so things like, you know, Facebook pages and LinkedIn profiles and emails and headlines and home pages and about us pages, all those things. Um, and so I really wanted to give them a little bit of, of guidance about that. Uh, you know, at least where to start and anything that might be idiosyncratic to those particular tasks. So um, we've uh, exhausted our time together today. I appreciate you stopping by and and sharing your thoughts and wisdom. Um, Where can people find more on on the book? Obviously, it's available to be purchased anywhere in all the various formats we get books in uh, these days. But uh, uh, anywhere else you want to send people to, to connect with you? Yeah, well, certainly, um, yes, the book is on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or any any bookseller of your choice. Uh, You can go to everybodywrites.com. There's lots of uh, other information there about, you know, where to buy, as well as just a little bit more information about uh, the book itself. Um, Or you can catch up with me at annhanley.com. Uh, is there an audio version? Are you going to do an audio version? I don't have one planned right now. Um, you know, I did the audio version for Content Rules. CC and I each read a chapter, you know, so we alternated. Um, it was a bit of a painful experience yes, for me. So yes, I don't is. know, but do you do you do your own audio books? I have done all of mine. It takes 14 to 16 hours each Yeah. in the yeah. studio. It's, it's tough. Well, you have a great radio voice. I don't feel like I do particularly have a very strong radio voice, and especially when you stack me up against Cece, who has a fantastic radio <laughs> right, voice. Right, so I, I feel a little bit, um, I feel a little bit lacking in that in that department. So I don't know. I, I, we haven't actually talked about an audio version yet. Well, there are there there are people I hear from all the time. There are people out there that that's the only way they'll consume a book. So that's oh. that's why I sort of feel compelled to to do it. But I, I will concur. It's a it's pretty. It's a pretty tough week when I've done when I've done them in the past because I you know I can only I can only focus on the page for about three hours so I, yeah. I break it up and do it over the course of an entire week. Well, Anne, thanks so much for joining me. I know that uh, we've got a couple times where we're going to see each other uh, out there uh, on the road. And uh, best of luck with the book. Uh, I think you've got a real winner. Hey, thank you so much, John, and I really appreciate uh, you having me on.